Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Up against the wall. Can't explain it, what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe. USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Raid of Troy Radio, episode 515, coming to you on Wednesday, October 25th. We're going to look ahead to Saturday's USC Cal game. Trojans and the Bears locking horns in Strawberry Canyon for the final time on Saturday afternoon, 1 p.m., Pacific time on the Pac-12 network, the final telecast for USC on the Pac-12 network as well. Uh, as always, you can email us at reignoftroy at fansided.com. Uh, you can call us, 818-643-7227. Suck at what's brewing show. Suck at what's brewing show. Yeah. Uh, I'm your host, Mike Garcia, along with my co-host here in the Reign of Troy studio and a little late on the trigger, Elisa Dertel. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, we are back at it for a uh, good old preview of uh, the Weekender. Where Where do you stand on Weekenders? You gonna miss the Weekender? I feel like the answer has to be yes, right? I mean, like, yes. So here's the thing. Um, I am not one who has done the Weekender very often, so it, it doesn't necessarily hold nostalgia for me. What I will miss about the weekender is like the prospect of not being able to do future weekenders when I'm mm-hmm. more when I'm more in a position to do the weekender. Uh, so that's what I would be mourning here, rather than you know the the every other every year doing the weekender. I, I haven't been able to do that. I've only been able to go you know I think only once really as a true weekender, and then a couple times as a um, as sort of just a media trip, which with sort of quick turnaround and not really the the fanfare so mm-hmm. yeah I, I i will i will i i miss what will not be down the line yeah it's I, i've talked about this before but I, I miss the ability to i'm going to miss the ability to drive to games for mm-hmm. sc um it, it's weird in california because a six-hour drive uh is close for us right yeah like, uh, a six-hour drive to um berkeley um, you know, five and a half hours to Phoenix, uh, to to go to to go to Tempe. Like those are relatively drive, like easy drivable games. They they seem easy, and yet that's just sort of like the normal. Um, uh, if if you're on the East Coast, if you're in the Midwest, like that's just how far games are. Uh, SC's not going to have that anymore Even when they're in the, games, in, in the Big Ten. Yeah, yeah, that's your far away games on the in the East Coast. Yeah, exactly. So, 
uh, it's it's going to be a bummer, especially when you know so much of the of the student body goes up for the weekender and and comes down as as well for Stanford and Cal. Like it it is a bummer. Uh, I think uh, Justin Wilcox this week, Cal's head coach, said that it's a disgrace that the Pac-12 has fallen apart, and he's right. Like, yeah, it sucks. Th- these teams need to be together. They need to be together. And for all of Pat Hayden's faults, and even if it was probably a, a little bit of a, maybe a pointless swing and dick move for SC to put their foot down uh, a de- more than a decade ago at the beginning of the Pac-12 and say, no, SC needs to play Cal and Stanford every single year. I think that was in the right vein, right? It was in the right vein for for what these what these teams are. Like these teams should be together. These four these four universities should absolutely be together. Yeah, and it's a shame that in the shifting landscape of college football that that couldn't remain the case even even as USC went to the Big the Big 10. Um that it's a shame that that wasn't able to to stay in place. But uh, but you know, we've had the Pac-12 discussion a million times. Now I just keep going back to like the Pac-12 killed itself because it mismanaged itself sure. for so long, and it sucks for fans to have to to live with the consequences of that in terms of the fan experience. Uh, but also, the Pac-12 the Pac-12 was mismanaged, and uh, ultimately, the the woe is me is only gonna sort of go so far. Um, yeah. Noah in Noah in the chat said, uh, "Would you guys go to the Cal game or wait to go to the Washington game?" Like, like if you had the choice on the on the two. Uh, well, I would say Porquinolos dos. Um, <laughs> I, I if you can this- only go to one, I think I think the Washington game will be more of a spectacle. Spectacle, but yeah. I always say like, go to every game you can go to. If if you can yeah. reasonably go to a game, go to go to every game. Every game is fun. The weather has turned now. The Saturday, I think, is going to be beautiful. Fall, the first like true fall weather Saturday. Uh, so yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, but those won't be the the trips that SC has. Uh, they will be able to go and play Washington and Oregon, of course, uh, in the Big Ten. Uh, and the schedule will just be it'll be different. It'll be exciting but different uh, going forward in the Big Ten. Uh, but one thing the Big Ten has at the Pac-12 doesn't have as much it's legal gambling states because Alicia we got a new offer uh, from DraftKings they're running a new promotion that you won't want to miss you can get new user benefits of place a $5 first bet and instantly claim 200 in bonus bets you'll be also rewarded with a separate no sweat single game parlay every single day when you opt in all you have to do is sign up with our code Rain of Troy and using the code Rain of Troy not only gets you these great bonuses Help support us. Help support the podcast, this very one that you're watching. So if you've been considering signing up for DraftKings, make sure you use the code Reign of Troy, all one word, uh, to maximize those first bets and parlays. Of course, the offer only available to new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly and check the episode description for the full terms of the offer to see if you qualify and to see what those states are like. Colorado, Illinois, Louisiana, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Tennessee. There's a bunch of them. You can go look at it. Yep. Uh, all right. We've got news to discuss. Uh, big news. Lots of news uh, this week, actually.
Riley said we got to start with the uh, the health of USC's head coach, uh, Lincoln Riley. He missed practice. Uh, it actually goes further than that. We we had heard that he was under the weather last week, but nothing changed. Went to practice, coached the game on Saturday. USC loses to Utah. Monday is Trojans Live. He essentially calls in sick for, for Trojans Live. Tuesday, we find out that he's not at practice due to an illness, that he is uh, homebound because of doctor's orders. Wednesday, today, as we record this, uh, USC spokesperson revealed that he's been dealing with pneumonia. Uh, and he's back at practice on Wednesday, but he's been dealing with pneumonia. Yeah, which makes a lot of sense because you get pneumonia when you are sick and uh, it develops into a, a sort of worse worse infection and um, it knocks you out. And there was a lot of talk, a lot of talk um, online that was really, uh, I don't know, to me, like gross and irresponsible. Uh, mm-hmm. When it came out that Lincoln Riley was missing practice, as though like, oh, he's interviewing for NFL jobs and oh, he's he's quitting on USC or all that kind of stuff. And it's like, it was obvious from the get-go that if a head coach is missing practice that and we knew that they were ill and they're missing their the Trojans live appearance and we knew that they were ill, like that they are ill and that that illness is significant because... Most coaches don't don't miss practice. They fight through. And that's probably why why Riley ended up more sick, because these people push themselves to their limits. And sometimes your body just says, no, not going to work. Yeah. Um, So I I think it's uh, I think it's ultimately good that USC revealed what was wrong with him because uh just not it, it just wasn't doing to just let that sort of sit out there and the jokes were going to be made but those jokes are for from gross people who are just being gross um but it's good that Lincoln Riley is back at practice on Wednesday uh because i think that indicates probably he should be able to coach on on Saturday which is definitely what you want uh, there was a lot of sort of speculation because Cliff Kingsbury was uh the they were talking to um compliance to figure out if he could get approved as a, as an on-field assistant uh, for, as it on a temporary basis. And mm-hmm. what did that mean? Did that mean that USC was going to need an assistant an, an additional assistant for Saturday? Was yeah. Dennis Simmons going to have to take over as, as temporary head coach for a game? Was Cliff Kingsbury going to step in all of this sort of speculation, but it seems like all of that was for, for nothing because it looks like he is on the mend and that's all you can ask for. You just have to hope that he's on the mend. And it's also a very good, um, reminder to everyone that when someone is ill don't don't um make jokes about them being ill just like sometimes people are ill yeah it's it's this this is uh one of those situations where like you you don't want to see anyone get sick pneumonia is especially one where like i i'm famously not a doctor uh, but like pneumonia is one of those things that, you know, usually ends up happening over time and it's scary. And everyone who's had pneumonia talks about how awful it is. Yeah, and all we've, those heard, things. we've now heard from people who are like, heard like, oh yeah, when I got pneumonia, it knocked me out. I was just, I was yeah. done. Yeah. It's like, I, yeah. 
the the thing that that drives me nuts are the conspiracy theory stuff on on Twitter. The um oh people running with with it uh from a certain state that has a panhandle on it that you know this is this is exactly what we saw before and uh this is you know it sounds like he's out doing the um yeah like you said the the NFL interview stuff and. Uh, oh, he's soft for missing all these practices and all this stuff. Oh, he's ducking another media event. Like, this is just what he does. And it drives me nuts because it, you don't know what you don't know what the illness is. Uh, and on the other side of it, this is why, and, and this is part of my frustration with Lincoln Riley's genuine missteps and th- certain things, mm-hmm. um, is... While most of the criticism that he gets, like from say Oklahoma fans, is just like better scoring lover stuff, there's absolutely little nuggets of things that Lincoln has sort of brought upon himself, right? Like the telling the dorm in Oklahoma to frost their windows, or uh, you know, keeping players from the media, or kicking a reporter out of practice, or all these things that have turn people off in various ways. Whether or not you agree with any of those things is beside the point, right? They've given reasons for people to be upset, right? And and for people to doubt him. And when you add that onto the 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 chauvin fraud that that Oklahoma fans have around SC and Lincoln Riley, it just makes the whole situation ripe for people who have an ax to grind to create this weird narrative about all these things when there's a totally innocuous explanation for this, which is he had pneumonia. Like, you know, like, I, yeah, it's, it's a, maybe it's bad timing with the Utah game. Like, well, it was bad he, timing. <laughs> he, he can't choose when you get pneumonia. You know what yeah. I mean? Well, that's, that's the, th- the I think the thing that's frustrating about, about the USC, I hesitate to use the word scandals, but like, you know, when USC has like, when the snowball is building the panic or the, yeah. the, the craziness, all of that kind of stuff. The thing that has always frustrated me about USC is like, okay, the, there are, there's a category of things that are just going to create fodder for people to, mm-hmm. to grind their ax against yeah. you. USC just likes to like, have that be there and then also be shoveling snow on top of it, which is unforced errors. Right. And, uh, and yeah. yeah, I think some of the media stuff is, has been unforced errors, but at the same time, no matter what, the fact that he was missing practice after a loss mm-hmm. was going to cause the lowest common denominator to jump on, sure. on all of that. And, uh, and, and it just, um, the, yeah, it, it's, it's, I think the, silly. the most important thing is, him being back to practice is a good sign uh, for his health, him which being, is yeah, him being beyond healthy. the most important thing, obviously. And I think it was weird that like it was it was weird that John Wilner was the I think I still I'm not I'm still not entirely certain, but I think I I don't think he was being cheeky. I think John, he was genuinely at like f- at first I thought John Wilner was being cheeky, and then after it became a little bit more clear that like no, like Riley was sick. Um, the the Wilner tweet, the sort of voice of reason, like when it's John Wilner out there saying, like, guys, given the circumstances, don't um, don't 
make light of Lincoln Riley having to having yeah. having a health issue that is serious enough for him to miss practices. At at this point, like at least it's just pneumonia. But Wilner's point stands. USC had a coach, an assistant coach, who passed away from a serious uh, from a serious illness. Yeah. UCLA had an assistant coach McGovern, yeah. pass away from a serious illness. Mike Leach suddenly passed away. We've seen Jerry Kill. Have Jerry Kill has had issues? a serious yeah. illness, and like people, people, people use this against Urban Meyer in a way that I find very gross. But like Urban Meyer's health issues in the past have been things that. I think are it's weird that people use them as like a sign of of anything other than these these men are in super super high stress situations and we have to remember that they are also vulnerable to the same illnesses that come around and like you <laughs> you're just better off not not making light of it yeah given what else it could have been and yeah. and thankfully it's pneumonia and thankfully he has a good medical staff around him and thankfully it looks like he's on the mend yeah and and i i will say one of the things that i thought that's been really good is like yesterday on twitter it was like when this stuff first happened that oh he wasn't at practice i think there was yeah there was a lot of you know crazy tweets about oh here we go get the popcorn out all these kind of things and then that, that sort of immediately stopped at least from sc people once it came out, like no, he's like actually sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is which and is has good. been and, and and I like and has been sick. We had heard at the end of last week that he was under the weather. We had heard that yeah. there's something going around the team, which happens, you know, every few seasons. There's in October and November. There's just like yeah, something's running through the team. That's what happens when you have a a team. Uh, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Malcolm in the chat says just because someone tells you something is true does something doesn't mean it's true. If someone has lied before, why on earth should you give them the benefit of the in doubt what, later? In what universe has I, Lincoln Riley uh, lied about his health? I I think that when it comes to his health, yeah, you, I I don't think you should say, like there's no reason to lie about the health stuff. Uh to my point earlier, this is like when when we live in a world in which people are not going to give you the benefit of the doubts, it's probably best not to add on to reasons not to give them the benefit of the doubt, which is why some of the little stuff frustrates me. But yeah, there's realistically don't he's, he's allowed to be sick. Well, let, and let, let him be like sick. Malcolm in the chat saying the caping for Riley is not necessary. We're not caping for Lincoln Riley. We're caping for anybody who is ill. Don't beat yeah. them over the head because they have fallen well, Ill and their doctors million, have them there's a not million, going to practice because they have freaking pneumonia. I why is that caping for anybody? Like if somebody has pneumonia, let them have pneumonia and get better. Especially when, like we said, we had heard before that he was ill and has gotten more ill, and that explains why he missed practice. Like yeah. uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think there's a there's a million reasons to be critical we're of Lincoln not saying, Riley about, for the football thing. We're not saying yeah. USC lost a game because Lincoln Riley was ill. That's absolutely not like that. No one has yeah. made that claim, or no one has has. All we're saying is, don't jump to the worst possible conclusion, and like be a person that is so out of touch with reality that you can't leave room for for another human being to just 
be ill instead of jumping jumping to Lincoln Riley missed a media appearance or Lincoln Riley missed practice he must be this this is USC in a panic like that's not that's not it uh, all right, we we got uh, other news, which is SC's playing a football game on Saturday, USC and Cal. Uh, let's let's talk about this one. For, but, well, before we before we do talk about the weekender at the beginning, uh, the final SC Cal game. Uh, thoughts on the rivalry? Where 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 do you stand? Big moments for you? Well, the the biggest moment is is the. Um... 2004 the game. 2004 game for mm-hmm. sure um, there have been other good games I mean 2006 was my first uh, I'm an actual fan of USC and at a USC game game mm-hmm. not technically my first official game 21 but, to 9 I think uh, yeah that was that was super fun I went with my dad uh, so that's one of my sort of core football memories big, um, big touchdown pass the Jared on a post mm-hmm. yeah in. and there, yeah. there was a goal line stand that in the that per- game too uh, parallel uh, parallel uh, parastyle land yeah. Um so yeah, it's been a it's been a fun it's been a fun rivalry. It's just a shame it's a shame that Cal has been um sort of in a weird limbo of like is it fair to say almost mediocrity for a while now where they're never quite that good, but they're well, never quite that they, bad. They, they so. sort of they sort of swapped with Cal. Like the I mean, it was swapped with Stanford where the the arts uh, or the the noughties, as the Brits would say, was all about the SC Cal rivalry. I think, um, in terms of a footballing rivalry, right? Mm-hmm. And then the teens were all about SC Stanford. Uh, and then when the Stanford rivalry sort of slowly started to fizzle, it really is ramped up with sort of Utah. And then those will go away, and then SC will have a new sort of football s rival. Uh, going forward, probably in the Big Ten or whatever. I don't know. Who knows? We'll see who SC ends up playing a bunch of close games with. But yeah. Stanford and Cal obviously go beyond just being a football rival because they've just been around for so long. SC plays them every year. There's a reason, like we talked about earlier with Pat Hayden, putting his foot down and going to bat for the California schools playing together. Uh, I love that Cal ends up wearing the uh the Roth uniforms which by um, the way are some of the best throwback uniforms in college football like it those should be are their normal so uniforms yes just yeah wear those all the time guys like just wear them all the time yeah we we, we got the uh we got the retro uh logo here yeah. in our yeah. in a little score bug on on YouTube because of it yeah i i i think you, that the you, the 2004 game will always be one of my favorite memories of all time at, mm-hmm. at the Coliseum and first time game day ever came. And so, yeah, I, I think the, the SC Cal rivalry will always Cal, hold a special place because of that. Cal denied USC. Um, the, what, what year was the overtime, the triple overtime loss? Yeah. 2003. That was, that was a, a, big, a big game. Uh, USMNT in the chat says shout out to the Nelson Aguilar game. There was, it was an Adore Jackson game. Mm-hmm. So there've been some like, Fun game. I feel like it's been more about like USC's individual performances than yeah than dramatic outcomes in mm-hmm. recent years. Yeah, the way that Stanford and USC had a lot of like dramatic outcomes. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, Paul says Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers was incredible yeah, in the Rodgers. 2004 game. Uh, he beat SC in 2003 along with that Chamondu. So. Oh, and, and Malcolm in the chat brings up the two, the 2021 Cal game, the uh, the game that was uh, replayed. Uh, yeah. 
that uh, yeah, the most forgotten non-discussed game in USC history. It undoubtedly, basically, yeah. I didn't. I wish it didn't happen. That we, was we did a a live tw- uh, Twitter Spaces. What? what yeah, what, whatever it was called whatever at the time. Whatever that was called at the time. Yeah. I feel like three people listened well during the game because nobody cared. It was such a non. Yeah. Absolutely, nobody yeah. cared. Yeah. Uh, all right, but SC and Cal this year, people I think will care because the Dragons are sputtering. They're six and two, bowl eligible, but uh, needing to get back on the right side of the WL column. Uh, the Bears sort of in a similar position uh, in terms of needing to get back in the win column, but three and four, they need three wins uh, over the the final few weeks here to get to bowl eligibility. Probably not going to do it. Three and four, one and three in conference. Year seven for Justin Wilcox, the former USC defensive coordinator. Trojans beat beat the Bears last year at the Coliseum 41-35, a game which SC led 34-14, but then gave up 21 points in the fourth quarter. Jack Plummer threw for 406 yards, three TDs before transferring to Louisville, and uh, he's now with the Louisville Cardinals. Uh, But the Bears... Another program in which they bring a quarterback on Saturday who was not their starter at the beginning of the season. This is now what? One, two, just like four and six games. It, it's nuts that, that SC is continuing to get second. We're second and third string quarterbacks over and over and over again. This one is Fernando Mendoza, the redshirt freshman. Uh, 31 of 50 so far this year, 356 yards, four TDs, two picks, passer rating of a buck 40.2. He's appeared in three games, really basically two. Uh, they absolutely jiggle bag North Texas in week one uh, on the road in Denton. He appeared in that game late in the fourth quarter and threw one pass. Uh, for all intents and purposes, no, no factor, right? But last two games the Bears against Oregon State and Utah, uh, he started. Uh, he's made his first career start against Oregon State, the Beavs, the ranked Beavs. Cal scored 40 points. Their best outing on offense of the season uh, for the two-star quarterback out of uh, out of Miami. So who knows what he can do for, for this Bears offense. Uh, Jaden Ott, sort of the heart of the Bears offense, uh, he leads them with 603 rushing yards, five TDs. He had two catches for 48 through the air against Utah. Wide receiver core, dude's pretty balanced. Uh, not one singular guy to keep an eye on. Jeremiah Hunter, Taj Davis, uh, Tron Grinzel, uh, all over 200 yards. Uh, and then at tight end, Zach uh, Andrews is the guy to keep an eye on. 13 catches, buck 85 and a TD so far on the season uh, for injuries. Uh, your thoughts on Cal's offense? Yeah, uh, the the quarterback situation is interesting. They they really didn't feel like they had a, an offensive identity, and then they made the switch to Mendoza. And it's funny because he's, he's lost the last two games, but Cal has been competitive in both of those games against ranked teams, certainly yeah. in a way you wouldn't have expected. The Utah score looks worse than it actually was. That game was was very close going into the fourth quarter. Um it was ten they were down ten points um going into the fourth quarter and then and then Utah pulled away. 
Um, they couldn't really get their offense going, but as USC found out, like Utah's defense is, is holding down most of the offenses that they play, so that's not necessarily something to uh, be shocked about. Um, but at the same time, the, the, their offense is is nothing spectacular. Um, the concern here from a USC perspective continues to be that facing unspectacular offenses has not meant that un, that uh, spectacular offensive performances aren't coming. Mm-hmm. Because USC has played unspectacular offenses against uh, you know Arizona State and and uh, and Arizona and Notre Dame and and given up um, and Utah and given up a lot of points. So the 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 thing I'm circling here really is okay. If we're going to assume that USC is going to elevate every opposing offense that they face, then it's really going to come down to playmakers. We looked at uh, Arizona's playmakers, and even though their offensive outputs hadn't been hadn't been uh, crazy, uh, there they had the playmakers that it would take to to give USC trouble. Uh, Utah found their playmakers in uh, in in Sionivaki and and uh, and Jackson and all of those going off. So who are the playmakers that could be trouble for for USC and and you really got to look at um, the obvious Jade Knott. <laughs> Jade Knott's a very very uh, very good um, uh, running back who can do damage if if you let him. And I think the thing that Utah did very well against this this Cal team is they didn't really let Cal get Jade Knott going. They didn't. He only had what was it like eight carries. Um, he still had pretty good uh, good radar on that, but uh, when it comes down to it, Jaden Knott is exactly the kind of running back that has given USC problems <laughs> in the past. So that's what I'm I'm looking at is they've got a quarterback who has stabilized their offense, maybe not spectacular, but stabilized offense against a USC defense that is what it is. I mean, just look at these, look at the numbers on the screen, like. USC's defense is a mess. It's it's really a mess, and and yeah. opposing teams will um, will take advantage of that if you give them. So, huh, yeah, it's it's one of these things where like you look at it and you go, well, yeah, Cal's offense uh, not overly scary or anything. I mean, they've had their moments, I guess, but like. This isn't this isn't uh, Washington. This isn't Oregon. Uh, this isn't Colorado. This isn't um, you. I guess it's not Utah, right? Like, you know what I mean? But yeah. but maybe it is. Uh, which is the scary part for SC because uh, SC has been susceptible to everybody. Well, USC uh, everybody might have save for save for Nevada, really. USC might put. As as Malcolm in the chat says, might put Jaden not on a wheel route, and, yeah. and what is USC gonna do? I, I I don't know. I'm yeah. So yeah, Th- this should not be an offense that worries USC, except the reality of what USC's defense is tells us otherwise. Yeah. Uh, let's get to the other side of the ball. USC's offense going up against Cal's defense. Alicia, I I wrote in the our little rundown this might be justin wilcox's worst defense at cal it sure looks like I, it like what is the what has justin wilcox been uh, at cal it's been known for at, at first being a very good defense uh and then slowly but surely like the the veryness of that defense has 
went from being a very, very good defense to a very good defense to a good defense to a defense. And now it's sort of Cal's version of the 2022 USC defense. They rely on forcing turnovers. 14th uh, in FBS in forcing turnovers. They forced exactly 14. But 10 of those, 10 of those 14 came in the first three weeks of the season against North Texas, Auburn, and FCS Idaho. In Pac-12 play, Cal has only forced four turnovers in four games. They're eighth in the conference, in conference play in that category. And as a team, 10th out of the 12 teams in turnover margin within conference play. So they're not forcing turnovers. And what is the result? Cal has allowed ASU's highest yards per play average of the season, 6.10. And we know that ASU might have the worst offense in the league. Washington's highest yards per play average within conference play came against Cal's defense, 8.53 yards per play. Utah's highest per play average of the season at the time free USC, free Alex <laughs> Grinch, uh, was 5.93 against Cal two weeks ago. So Cal's defense is sort of the, uh, the, the ideal defense to bounce back against because that's what's happened for everybody else that's played them. That's why they rank 99th in passing defense, 110th in scoring defense, 113th in points per drive, 118th in defensive passer rating, 124th in sacks, 128th in red zone defense, and 130th in tackles for loss. The tackles for loss thing, I think, is wild. Uh, I'm going to talk about this more, spoiler alert, in the segment coming up, but 11 of their 23 tackles for loss came in the first two weeks of the year. Since then, they have not had more than three tackles for loss in a game. Yeah. Like, I, you know, for all of SC's defensive issues, they're at least forcing negative plays. Cal's not forcing negative plays either. And that's, it's absolutely brutal. And like, you you look at the single, the singular players, I, Jacob Sermon, uh, supposed to be the star of this defense coming into the year out for the season. Uh, he was second on the team with 49 tackles and three tackles for loss, led the team in tackles for loss. He's being replaced by, uh, Blake Anzalatis, uh, at, at inside linebacker, but Caleb Elarmzor, sort of their best player on defense, 65 tackles for for pass breakups. But outside of that, not a lot of dudes with with havoc plays. Yeah, and and you have to wonder if this is just this is year seven under Wilcox, right? If this is the the drain of that program just being so. I mean, they're essentially under underfunded. I don't think they have the ability to recruit particularly well. Uh, we know that Wilcox had some good defenses earlier on in in his tenure, but after a while, if you can't restock your your roster and you're in a position where you will lose players on your roster to the transfer portal and not really be able to to replace them with quality, you're just going to end up in a position where no matter what, you, you don't have the athletes on the field. And yeah. that might just be where Cal's at. That might just be where they're, where they're at. And it's, it's, um, it's sad to see, but the, the good news for USC is that USC's offense is 
in a position where they've had, I think, three subpar games. Um, four of the last five games. Uh, well, I guess yeah. All each of the last five games have had major missteps. I think the best the offense has looked in the last five weeks was against Colorado in the first three quarters, and they just literally flipped the switch off and forgot how to play. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but the hope here is that this is an, about a big bounce back opportunity facing a defense that is just not going to give them as many as many problems. Um, I think we're seeing that ASU and, and Arizona, their defenses are sneakily better than, than you would have expected. We knew that Notre Dame and, and Utah were going to have really, really tough defenses to break down, and that turned out to be the case. Um, if USC's offense struggles in this game, that will very tell us that, that that there is something more systematic going on as opposed to just the opposing defenses are, are getting in USC's head. So yeah. uh, that's a, a big opportunity for USC and, and one that I will be looking for because one of the things that I have a hard time separating sometimes is is there's this like concept that, that um, is what looks like just struggling because you're going up against a good defense and not being able to break them down. And you should be able to break them down, but it's also difficult. It's just difficult. Um, what looks like sloppiness or being discombobulated or whatever could just be a function of the defense getting the better of you. Uh, and in, in this case, if USC is sloppy and discombobulated, you can't just blame it on, well, the opposing defense is is doing the things that, that are causing you to to be out of rhythm. If you're out of rhythm against Cal, it's because you just do not have rhythm, and that is a much, much, much bigger concern for me. Um, yeah, go, going into the final stretch of the season, where USC has USC has to find their rhythm in this game, or it's gonna be a very, very, very long final three weeks. Yeah, I, I this is absolutely the matchup where you would hope that SC is able to sort of bounce back on offense um, because of all those things I mentioned earlier and that, that you just mentioned now, like this is not the Arizona defense that we've learned is very good. Uh, it's not the front lines of, uh, of Notre Dame and Utah. Like it's the, it's a lot more similar to Colorado's defense um, better against the run than Colorado. Uh, this is a middle of the road rush defense. Um, and maybe that will end up being a factor because we know that SC struggled against Colorado, but SC against Colorado had 41, 41 points in the first, you know, 40 minutes of that game, right? So mm-hmm. um, if SC is able to get back on that side of things and score points, I think it's going to help because one of the things that we talked about all offseason, looking at the schedule and before the season, is that the Cal game was going to be the big scary trap game. Right? Trap game. Uh, if if there ever was a trap game, this is the trap game. Yes, because it's after Notre Dame and Utah, and it's before the the final gauntlet of Washington, Oregon, and UCLA. And it's on the road. And it's on the road, and it's a daytime in sleepy Berkeley, and SC has looked sleepy in a in a afternoon game there many a time. I, I'm trying to think about it. The only time I think SC has not looked bad during the daytime against Cal that I can remember is 2013. Every other time, like, has been weird. That 2017 game was brutal to watch. 
the the two two thousand five team with you know all those dudes. Uh, the only game in which uh, Reggie Bush, by the way, wore the the full three bar bull face mask, which is wild. Go look <laughs> it up if random, you don't believe me. Uh, that's uh, a random. Uh, yeah, it's like random. Like, is that Michael Vick at quarter at, at, at tailback? Who's this dude? Uh, no, um, but that was a game that SC needed Liner to run into scores, right? Like, um, it wasn't the the complete dominance that they had against other teams. Um, it's a place where SC struggles. Look at the 2015 game, right? So I I think there's a lot of reasons to doubt the Cal game because of all those things. I do not think it's a trap game anymore because SC is in a situation where it can't be. You can't overlook Cal anymore because right. you are Lost on the games. heels of two, of two losses. If anything, it's a game that sort of proves that SC is in an unstoppable spiral. If, if they come out here, lay an egg, and look bad and get beat by Cal, then yes, it's an unstoppable spiral and the season's gone to hell and all those things. I I, I wouldn't doubt that that's on the table, but I think the, the more realistic thing, the more I just look at this, like Cal's defense just looks like somebody, sort of just what the doctor ordered for SC's offense. If they can if they can rally back from from the heartbreaking defeat of Utah, don't let Utah beat them twice kind of deal, mm-hmm. like emotionally. Cal, what they used to be, would have been a significantly bigger bigger trap in the sense of if USC had to go against another defense that was going to really have the potential to shut them down completely, like then you start to really doubt everything like in the fundamental yeah portion but no this Cal team this should be something for USC to to get their groove back <laughs> and at least show that maybe they have a chance in in these last 3 games uh it's just that um it's just that it's it's hard to it's hard to even predict that necessarily because USC has had so many a, a, a string of of shaky performances even before the the losses uh they they can't afford to do those same things and considering what happened last year against cal at the coliseum you know it's a prime example of how uh you you can't afford to always overlook this this same opponent um and and let your defense keep them in the game the whole way uh it i don't know it I want to say it's not a trap game, but realistically, it's still ha- it's like I get what you're saying in terms of like USC can't let it be a trap game. Yeah, I, but realistically, more, it, you know, it's still more so. It's not a trap game because like you you can't overlook Cal when you're coming off of two losses. Like yeah, like you you can't just uh, look forward to Washington anymore because you need to win this one. Like. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a completely sort of different situation in that sense. It's almost like the 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 thing is, even if you pull off an upset against Washington at the Coliseum, if you lost to Cal, it doesn't you matter. Sort of it, you yeah. sort of make the final three games of this. Well, the final the, the other two games because you know UCLA is a rivalry game. It's always going to matter, but you sort of make that a bit irrelevant. Uh, USC talked this week. I know uh, Dennis Simmons while he was filling in for Lincoln Riley talked about how. You know, USC is still 4-1 and one in the Pac-12. USC is still very alive in the Pac-12 title race. 
And if they want that to remain the case, then take care of business against the Pac-12 opponents that you need to take care of business against. Right. Which would be Cal. Which would be, yeah. I, like, uh, Ilium in the chat said that, yeah, all, all the signs point to SC being able to take care of business this week uh, and are expecting a two-point game one way or the other anyways. Yeah, yeah. that I'm I'm with you. Yes, I, I think that because looking at everything, your brain should say... I yeah, SC should be able to handle this, um, and it shouldn't be a trap game in that sense. Like I don't think they're gonna, they shouldn't no show this game. I'm ra- I'm but. rather I'm rather confident um, that the offense will not no show the game. Yeah, yeah, I, and, and you know, I don't know about the rest. I, I just don't. I don't think there's any possible way that you can be still looking ahead to to Washington at this point when, you know. You, you you can't you you SC's not in a position to overlook anybody. Yeah, that, that's no. that's the thing. No. So all right, uh let's go play some over under. So you're going over. I'm feeling bold. Give me that over. I'll go under I gotta take an under here. I got three unders to take. I'm gonna do an under here. By the way, uh the over under little um sound bite, sound clip, whatever, drop. Uh includes uh Mad Dog Chris Russo. A <laughs> big round of applause on a great career and a retirement. Um well done. Well done on the retirement. <laughs> um I hope that the D backs can have him on uh for like game seven or something. Or uh, maybe not game seven. Game uh that series would be in Texas, right? So game three. Have him on in game three. Yeah. But uh, before we do anything, um Super chat from from Tim in LA that says super chat just so Michael will say Louisville and jiggle bagged one more time. There you go. <laughs> Cheers. Louisville. Cheers, Tim in LA. You, you have to like say it without like moving your 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 lips. Louisville. 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 No, it's like Louisville. 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 Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> All right. Uh, over under. Before the week, uh, I have a big lead now. Suddenly, I'm, I'm down bad. <laughs> you're you're suddenly down bad. Yes, I am 27 and 21. You're 22 and 26. Um, but hey, uh, you know anything can 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 happen in every single week. Uh, let's go to your first over under. What do you got? I've got 99.5 Jaden rushing yards. Uh, the the Outstanding running back from Cal is uh, something for USC to worry about, for sure. He is averaging 100.5 yards per game. Last year, USC kept him in kind of in check. He only he had 14 uh, carries for 50 yards, but he had two touchdowns, which is part of the problem. Um, he only had eight carries for 46 yards against Utah, but also Utah's defense is Utah. Uh, USC's defense has given up in the last two weeks 117 yards on 26 carries to Quinton Jackson and 95 yards on 22 carries to Audric Estime of, uh, of Notre Dame. So we're just sort of setting a basic rushing line. Will he get over the 100-yard mark? Even though he's averaging 100 yards per game, he has not been over the 100-yard mark uh, as often as you would think this season. I forgot, I meant to grab that, but uh, yeah, he's only done it twice uh, this season, but this is USC's defense we're talking about. Yeah, it's uh, this is an easy over for me. Um, Jade Knott's a good running back. He's a really good running back. He leads the back 12 in rushing yards. I 
They gave up a million yards to Vaki. Uh, SC cannot set an edge to set their to save their life. Uh, yeah, it's over. It's over. Yeah, um, unless all of his uh, touches come in the form of a wheel routes, and, and then he just has like 150 yards receiving and only like 20 yards rushing, and then I'm in business. Uh, yeah, you you probably should have done scrimmage yards. Scrimmage yards would have been even an easier over. <laughs> no, because I didn't want to give you too easy of an over. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> there you go. I'm taking the over anyways. Yeah. N- 99 and a half. Uh, Are you 199 yards. yards from scrimmage? Is that what the over oh, under you want? Maybe, maybe not that, but jeez, yeah. Vaki would have gotten it. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, next one. My first over under for you. Uh, okay. I have to explain this one. I, I always hate that I have to, because I'm just worried that it's not going to read well. 12 and a half yards on Zach Branch's longest punt return of the night. So of any punt return he has, the longest one is it over 12 and a half yards. The reason I mention this uh, is uh, Cal is 109th nationally in punt return defense, allowing 12.36 yards per return. But I'm I'm a little skeptical of like we need to be more critical and uh, of punt return statistics and how crazy they are because of sample size. Mm-hmm. They allowed an 83-yard punt return to Washington. That's their only, the only one all season that's been longer than 20 yards. They allowed one to Washington. If you take out the 83-yard punt return, Cal's, uh, you know, giving up 5.3 yards per punt return, which is like top 50. That's like relatively just normal, just nothing. But they gave up the 83-yarder. So can Zach Branch, Zachariah Branch uh, have, a, have a long return? That's the question. Uh, so over under 12 and a half yards on Zachariah Branch's longest punt return of the night. Um. Okay, so I am... <sighs> I am uncertain here uh, because punt returns are crapshoots. Um, on the one hand, do I think that Zach Branch is capable of breaking off a punt, a big punt return? Uh, yes, absolutely. On the other hand, punt returns are weird. Like he just had one last week. Like you don't you don't get one every week. Like like you know. It, even the best punt return guys only rarely break the occasional one. So how many punts will USC's defense force? What position of the field will they force them? Will they let Cal move down the field and then punt in, in situations where Branch isn't going to have an opportunity to, to have a return? Um, that statistic that you pointed out where he they've only allowed one big return might suggest that their punter is doing a good job of not creating returnable punt situations. Um, so I'm taking the under here, but at the same time, I, yeah, I don't like it. I, I don't like taking the under because I just, this feels like a little bit of a crapshoot, especially because punt returns, kickoff returns, special teams plays have been a feature of this rivalry for, for, you know, the more memorable games have involved special teams players doing special teams things. But I, I'm taking yeah. the under, just hedging my bets. 
Yeah, Damian Williams uh, in 2009 had a punt return, I believe. Nelson Aguilar Nelson had Nelson Aguilar had in 2013. Was, uh, uh, did a Dory have... Dory had a pick six. It was a pick six, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I... You're you're taking the under. I, I think that's that's fair. I this is why like I, I just, like I said I have a hard time with like is Cal a bad punt return defense? They might be like they they genuinely might be. Um, or did they just give up one eighty third three yarder and that's it? Like I I yeah. don't know. I, I don't yeah. know. I, I th- this is part of the the thing why I like special teams is so hard to gauge. It's so hard to gauge for me. Um, if you if you give up like. 20 like you know 20 yard punt returns on the regular that's a sign that you can't cover one of them though i don't know i don't know uh all right uh next one uh yours what do you got i'm going 79.5 percent cal red zone scoring this is cal's offense um usc usc ranks 122nd in red zone defense that means uh, they allow touchdowns or field goals a lot of the time when they're in the red zone. Uh, they're also 130th in short field uh, points per drive, which is a reflection of, one, the turnovers that USC's offense has had has often put USC's defense in a bad position. But two, when USC's defense is put in a bad position, they just give up the touchdown pretty much every time. Um 92.86% of the time that an opposing offense gets into the red zone against USC, they score. Uh, they have given up 100% scoring rates to everybody but Utah and Stanford. Utah was 83.3%. Mm-hmm. Stanford was 66.6%. Um, Cal is not good in the red zone offensively. They're only scoring 75.86% of the time that they get into the red zone. Uh, with touchdowns 62.07% of the time, they rank 109th nationally in red zone offense. So, uh, movable force, meet, um, uh, yeah, we're, we're talking object. total scoring, not TDs. Rate. This is scoring percentage. This is not touchdown scoring yeah. percentage. This is scoring percentage. So, field goals in the red zone counts as still 100. As if, if you, yes, if you went three of three with all three field goals, it's still 100%. Mm-hmm. That makes it over for me. I I have a hard time predicting uh red zone turnover or uh goal line stand or end of game that's gonna change it or you know what I mean? Like yeah. those yeah. things are hard to predict. So I will take the over. Um and again, if they get to get the over and not be perfect, they'd have to go four of five. Yeah. Still, they're they're more likely to go perfect than not. I mean, they could miss a field goal. Give me the over. Give me the over either way. Uh, Let's go to my next one, which is over under three and a half. Cal tackles for loss. Uh, I talked about this earlier. Cal dead last in FBS. Tackles for loss with 13. 11 of those came in week one against North Texas on the road in Denton. And then uh, the following week, uh, I think it was six at Denton and uh, five against Auburn or maybe vice versa, whatever it was. 11 of the 23 came in the first two weeks. Haven't had more than three in a game since. Their 2.75 tackles for loss game average is 6.5 tackles per loss, fewer per game than USC's. Uh, SC leads the, the conference over at nine. 
Uh, SC is allowing four tackles for loss per game in Pac-12 play, which is second only to Oregon. That's good. SC limits those, but 11 at Notre Dame. Uh, Ilium in the chat pointed out earlier when I, when I mentioned the thing that like, wasn't there the, didn't Notre Dame have the issue of, you know, weren't they, um, they weren't getting tackles for loss. They weren't getting havoc plays going into the USC game. Yes. And I, I just pulled up the thing here. Uh, our rundown from back then we, we archive all our rundowns now, which is great for this. Uh, Notre Dame had ranked 120th nationally in tackles for loss at four. They were averaging 4.29 coming into the SC game. Uh, and they had 11. So here we are back with the, uh, with the tackle for loss against thing. Three and a half. Cal's not had more than three since week two. Can they do it against SC? Three and a half. So the difference between Cal and Notre Dame is that Notre Dame was a defense that by every other statistical measure was, was, uh, very, very effective. And we knew that their defensive front was good. Uh, and they just weren't going crazy in that particular statistical category. But it wasn't like a, a red flag that they 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 are they are incapable of uh, they don't have the bodies there. They don't have the guys up front to get the job done def- to to win the battle in the trenches is what I'm trying to say. Notre Dame was winning the battle uh, in the trenches. Uh, in other games, that's not why they were low on the tackle for lost numbers. Moreover, they had had five, you know, they had had more than three tackles for loss in in most of their games going into the USC game. They just weren't sort of going going crazy. Um, so that is not the case with Cal. Cal is is a team that is not getting tackles for loss because their defense across the board is ineffective. <laughs> like um, they are, they are not a defense that has anything else going for them. And mm-hmm. that suddenly one day their defensive line is going to turn it up against a, 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 an offensive line that's in a little bit more, um, a little bit more unsettled. And USC also has the advantage of having been unsettled by Notre Dame having adjusted to a lot of those issues, having had a response. Personnel changes. A personnel changes and a notable risk. They, they shuffled the line. They moved people around. And to my eye, it it worked against Utah uh, in, in the sense of they were holding their own in the areas that they weren't holding their own against Notre Dame mm-hmm. uh, against the four man front. They were sort they were, they were taking care of business. Yeah. So I'm going to assume that they are going to, continue on that trajectory against this Cal team. I'm taking the under here. Um, Cal's defense is, is just not, not it. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I think that the personnel changes, I think are a step in the right direction. Um, at least until they're not, until they're proven that they're not. Uh, and then the other thing last week, talk, we talked about it. SC was very preventative against having negative plays with a lot of screens. Um, the, the screens sort of prevented the offensive line from having to do the bulk of the work. If that's still part of the game plan going forward, that's going to probably lower the number of tackles for loss. Though, of course, a screen could get blown up for a tackle for loss too. So yeah, uh, it, it could happen either way. 
Uh, let's go to uh, your last over under. What do you got? All right. I am. This is a little weird. This is a little weird, but all right. I was thinking about USC's wide receivers and I wanted to do an over under about USC's wide receivers. And I was sort of looking at some of the, the wide receiver stuff. And I looked at last year's Cal game and I noticed something that I was like, huh, that's, I wonder what the trend here for USC is. Um, so I'm going with 2.5 USC wide receivers with five or more catches in part because last year, Michael Jackson III, Taj Washington, Terrell Bynum each had five catches. They were, there were, there were many receivers who were getting a lot of a lot of work. And I looked at USC this year at what the catch numbers for USC's receivers this year were, and it has not been distributed in that kind of quantity at any point this season. Mm-hmm. USC has not had a game where three receivers had five catches or more in that game. Um, they've come close a couple of times with guys, you know, two fives and a four. Yeah. But they haven't really established the receiving core in that sense of we're going to go to our core guys. And it's one of the things that I kind of wish they would do. One of the things that frustrated me just looking like, and looking at the stat sheet doesn't necessarily, I'm not trying to put too much on looking at a box score because you can get trapped in that. But I was looking at it, and I and I thought to myself, like, I wish USC got the ball to Brandon Rice more. Just, like, not on one of those stupid little bubble screens, but, like, just get the ball. Like, see what Brandon Rice can do. Yeah. Um, I, I, I want to see them do that with, like, if they just decided, okay, today, Taj Washington, Brandon Rice, and Mario Williams, or Dorian Singer, or Michael Jackson III, for all I care. We're just going to, like have our core guys be our core guys and mm-hmm. see what, what, what that could do. Um, so I'm, I picked a weird over under. Let's see. This is the easiest under that we've had all year. <laughs> I, I love the thought you've put into it. I get it. I know you're down. You got to take big swings. I, I'm not going to sit here and make a mustard shout here, but it's like borderline mustard shout. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is under. This is under. All right. Um, SCs, you, you look at um, the, the stat book every week, and SC's been lucky to have one guy with five catches. Yeah. There's no way they're having three. I I know, but the I... The distribution is so widespread that I, 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 I struggle to see any world in which this hits. By the way, if this hits... Theoretically, it would be good. I don't know if it would, though. Because if this hits, that might mean that the game has gone to hell and they're trying to make things up completely through the air. Um, Yeah, that might be bad. Unless it's a game in which they decide that we're just going to go all in. Uh, Cal has a mediocre rush defense, which is way better than their pass defense. And so we're going to go all in on the pass that's the only sort of scenario in which this hits, but I I, I can't see it. This is, this is an under for me. Uh, let's go to my last one, which is over under eight and a half Marshawn Lloyd carries. I know what you want this to be. I know what everyone in the chat wants this to be. Uh, I know what everybody wants this to be. 
but is it over or under eight and a half? He was averaging 14 carries per game during the three game stretch against ASU, Colorado, and Arizona. That has changed the last two games. He had eight at Notre Dame and seven against Utah. Almost all of those in the first quarter. I am smashing the hopeful over on this. Okay. I was looking, Michael. Oh, okay. I was because I did a rushing over under right for Jade not. So I was looking like what what have other uh, what what have other running backs done against USC and and looking all of those numbers and I'm seeing 22 carries and 26 carries and 20 carries <laughs> and I'm like what in the actual like why 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 are we still in a state where I'm my favorite running back of all time ever whatever hyperbole I want to use can't just get the rock. I choose not to run. Just give him the rock. I'm just, I'm, I'm, this is completely counterintuitive because you're right. All of the other statistics have told us that, uh, that, that they are just choosing not to run and that's just, you know, whatever. But my God, just give this man, give this man 15 meaningful carries, give him 15 meaningful carries in a game (laughs) and see what he does with it for the love of God. I, I think the other thing, too, is the last couple of weeks, Austin Jones is pretty much, I think, has Austin Jones made the start the last two weeks, I think? I, oh, I think I think uh, he technically has. I can, I can look. And so, like, but... he's been splitting reps with Austin Jones the last two weeks versus the three weeks before that, he was definitely the the RB one, but it's not like Austin Jones is getting a bunch of carries either. Like he's not, but I would be, I would be happy to see, let's see the Austin Jones got five carries. Marshawn Lloyd, seven carries against Utah. I would be happy to see Austin Jones get more carries and, yeah. and, and it'd be Austin Jones gets eight carries and Marshawn Lloyd gets 15 carries like that. That sure. would be, that would be lovely. I don't know why this is, is something that USC won't, won't just like give us uh, the Jones had a season high 11 against Notre Dame. Yeah. So whereas in that three game stretch where Lloyd was averaging 14 a game, Jones had three, three and five. So there definitely was a big uptick uh, for Austin Jones against Notre Dame. Uh, uh, I right. have, I have starts for Marshawn Lloyd against ASU, Colorado, Arizona, and Notre Dame. He did not start against Utah, so I'm going to assume that means when we find Austin Jones. Yeah, Austin Jones got the start. Yeah. All right, uh, let's get to our good old predictionists. Um, is that the word? I don't know. We're rolling with that. <laughs> you speak pretending. way more Spanish than I do. Uh, sí, porque bienvenidos. Uh, I don't know what reign of... The Troy. I I, uh, um, I went to lunch today with my with my mom and a and a family friend and we went to a Mexican restaurant and the family friend was ordering everything. It's one of those like counter counter places. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the the fr- family friend was ordering everything like in in Spanish. So then when it came to me to order, uh, the the woman behind the counter was expecting me to also speak Spanish and mm-hmm. I just went like I want the chiller and a burrito like the gringa that I am, and then she responds to me in Spanish blah, 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 about, uh, and I, I don't, I'm, my Spanish is terrible, but I can, I can understand 
after a minor delay, when somebody is asking me like, do you want the sauce and the cheese and the 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 cheese on top? Like, do you want the wet burrito and etc. And I and you take, ordered it seco. I hope. No, I I take a mom. I took a moment to go like that's what she's asking me, and then I said yes. And my family friend looked at me and went like, see, <laughs> I was like. I, Adios mio, hijo de wey. Fuck them, adios. All right, um, predictions. The Vegas spread. SC by 10 and a half. Bill Connolly's metrics, DSP plus projection, is USC winning 39 to 23. What's your prediction? How wild is it that USC is favored by only three points more against Cal than they were against Utah? And I know home road and all that kind of stuff, but still, it's yeah. wild. Um, I am leaning a little bit closer to where Bill Connolly is. I have USC winning this game 42-30. to 30. I do not trust USC's defense. We have said before that USC's defense is, a, is just a 28-point-ish defense, and I think Cal will be in position to, to do the, just that because Jade Knott will uh, be a danger point, and the quarterback is does have that, that offense feeling like they know a little bit more about what they're about. Um, but I also think that Cal's defense is, 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 is vulnerable. And I think that we will see USC's defense bounce back in a week where they're no longer facing defenses that have the athletes and schemes and mm-hmm. capabilities to make it very difficult on USC. The, 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 the defenses USC has played over the past few weeks have forced USC to, either need to be perfect or need Caleb Williams to be Superman. And um, USC hasn't necessarily gotten that performance out of him, but I don't think Callen is, is in a position to even force that out of Caleb Williams. I think he will find it significantly more easy in this game. So I'm going USC 42, Cal 30. All right, folks, say it with me. USC's defense is a... 28-point defense. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Um, On a good day, apparently. (laughs) USC's defense is now averaging 30.5 points given up. I'm not going to include any sort of, uh, uh, you know, well, Cal's offense isn't wonderful, so then maybe they're 21. No, we're just starting at 28. I'll give Cal an extra field goal for this being uh, uh, in Berkeley. So 31 points for the Bears, uh, SC 35. So uh, 35-31, SC gets the win. So you are expecting another discombobulated USC offensive performance? For for 35 points, you're Mm -hmm. saying discombobulated? I I would say USC's offense scoring 35 points would not be a positive development for me in this game. I need to see SC look like we, I talked about earlier, like almost every PAC 12 opponent has had their best offensive showing against Cal. Um, but I need SC to sort of prove it. It feels like a, that, that first half of the Colorado game feels like forever ago. Yeah. We haven't seen them like in full gallop uh, since then, since that. Yes. Since- I, I'm I'm willing to sit here weeks from now and say, well, 
It, you know, it was that run. They, they just they just caught three really tough defenses in a row. Like, it's very possible that, that could be the case. But you have to prove that to be the case. And I I need to see it. I need to see it. I, I need to... I need proof that Caleb Williams' finger isn't bothering him. I need proof that the offensive line uh, is is back to doing their thing. I need proof that um, they're going to run the ball more. I need proof that mm-hmm. uh, that the receivers are going to do all those things before I sit here and pick what I would have like. Realistically, if you're if you're talking about SC's capabilities. This should be a game that we sit here and say SC 56, Cal 24. But there's no way in hell I would predict that based on what we've seen the last few weeks, right? You'd be nuts. Mm-hmm. You'd be nuts to, to to predict that, right? Like, I, 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 I wouldn't doubt that it's possible that SC gets their groove back and, and wins that way, but I'm certainly not going to predict it until I see it again. Yes, um, that's totally totally fair i i am more hopeful that we will see a return to the usc of of even like even the arizona state game where that little stumble was still a 42 point right stumble well the 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 bad offensive showing the the, the bad 42 point offensive showing Yeah. yeah 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 and if that's not the case like you know people everyone who listens to this podcast know that I have been beating the drum of, uh, for lack of a better term, like positivity in the sense of, of things are never as bad as you think they are never as good is, is the motto. And I know that the last few weeks have been, have been sort of have had the feeling of crisis, but also cool your jets, calm down. Like that, that you can, you can, you can, you are allowed to be hopeful that things will be better uh, certainly on offense. If you are just despairing about the defense, I'm right there with you. I'm just I'm just not expecting anything of them anymore. That's fine. But yeah. I do still have a, a certain level of expectation for this offense getting things back on track. And I think there are a lot of reasons to think that this is the week that they get things back on track, mm-hmm. um, given what we can look at uh, in the past few weeks and sort of get a better yeah. big picture uh, understanding of of what it was that was causing USC's offense to go off the rails. Yeah, we got a bunch of predictions in the chat. Rama says 42-21 SC. Kenny, 34-28. Uh, Alien 55, 35-28. Paul also says 35-28. Fighting on MC says 38-28. HR pick and stuff, 28-17. Uh, Mr. Andrew, 2800. Super bullish on SC has Trojans winning 38-10 with uh, Bear Alexander having four second half sacks. Well, that would be fun. That would be that would that you would, know be, a would, would, that would I, be a good sign. I I disagree. I disagree. You, I You disagree that it would be a good sign? No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I I'm going to admit if USC is in a position where they're winning this game 38-10 unless it's they're up 38 to nothing at halftime and bring in uh, and have a full half of Miller Moss again. Um, I'm, I'm going to just, you wouldn't take 38 to 10. No, no, no. I would take 38 to 10. I'm just right now. If USC has any hope, any hope of getting through the final three games of the season, the offense needs to be 
on. They need to be I what agree. they were last year, which yes. is on. If, if and SC... if, if the offense doesn't look on on against the Cal defense that we have uh, we have just demonstrated uh, shown is 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 not is not it this year. Um, I, I I I I'm not certain that 38 points will assuage my 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 fears unless it's under the circumstances I just. I see yeah. what you're saying. I get it. If if SC is going to have a puncher's chance uh, of back in the Pac-12 championship game and beating Washington and Oregon, they need to have their their offense be the 50-point offense. And yeah. in that sense, yes, I I agree with you. The flip side is they scored 20 points in South Bend and in part because they got a big punt return. They scored... 32 points last week, again, in part because they got a pick six and a big punt return. They went 50 minutes in the middle of the game in which they did not score an offensive touchdown. They put up more more yards like, and more yards per play than anyone has done against that Utah defense this year. Yes. The last but they two are de- not scoring. The, they the, are not scoring. And so... I just if wouldn't they got, judge if they, I, if they scored thirty eight points. I I don't no, see how because you. Cal, they, it's not a negative. At no, this because point. the Cal defense is not like I, Utah I and Notre you. Dame are top you. ten top ten yes. defenses in college football no, I, right now. I get it. The Cal defense is not in that. The Cal defense is as bad as USC's defense. Worse, worse I, even than I, USC's no, defense. That's fair. That's all I'm but, like. But uh, I also uh, you got it. You if. If if Utah put up thirty four points on this Cal defense, I am not necessarily going to be content with. A, an well, it's it's going to depend on what the thirty eight. Yeah, points absolutely. Look like. like like I but, said, but like but in, realistically, in context. I'm just not sold that thirty eight ten is is. I is think a, we need to not lose sight of thirty eight points on the road in any game is a lot of points. Yeah, that's yes, but USC needs to be able to score fifty in every game from here on out. That's I, how I feel. I agree with you. And if you can't do that against Cal, then I don't know how you're going to do that against Washington, Oregon, or but, UCLA. But you got to score 38 points at some point. Yeah. So, uh, all right. We got a huge mailbag. We've already got an hour and, tw- and 18. This yes. is good. Well, buckle up. It's going to be, it's going to, it's going to be long. Uh, all right. Let's get to the mailbag show. You've got mail. All right, uh, let's start with a YouTube comment we got in the last video uh, after the after the episode. Alicia, what you fail to understand is that Lincoln Riley does not and will not change his coaching style. Do you think that the blowback he's getting about his defensive coordinator is something new? The Oklahoma fans were fed up too. So he and Grinch came to USC and continued here. Even now, he thinks he can do it his way. Quote, it just might be a little more time, which is reasonable. He said, he will not be firing Alex Grinch in all caps. USC will have to buy out his contract or go pound sand. I think this is patently untrue. Um, Lincoln Riley fired a defensive coordinator at Oklahoma. In, In 2018, Lincoln Riley fired his defensive coordinator in twenty in twenty nineteen, he hires Alex Grinch. Alex Grinch takes over a defense that it, the previous year had given up thirty three points per game, and he improved them to twenty seven point three points per game. 
in 2020 in Alex Grinch's second year at Oklahoma. They improved to 21.7 points per game. So there was real, there, over the first two years of Alex Grinch's tenure at Oklahoma, there were arguments to, to certainly be made that Grinch had improved that defense and had given them had given them a, 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 a platform that they could that they could work with. It wasn't perfect, but it was certainly better than what they had been dealing with in, in 2018. So then in 2021, Alex Grinch's defense gives up 25.87 25.8 points per game. He has a bunch of bad performances, but for the most part, their their sort of middling games are still in the 20 in the 20-ish points that they're that they're giving up and then they're they're giving up 37 to Oklahoma State, they're giving up 48 to Texas, but they're still like winning half of those games. So Lincoln Riley can at least look at that and say, that's not, like my defense isn't catastrophic. Lincoln Riley's, Michael has said this many times now, part of the problem with Lincoln Riley in the defense is that he hasn't been burned by it that often. He's managed to win the games of the defense. He's been to win the shootouts. And so he didn't necessarily have to be forced into a change. In 2022, when he comes, when he brings Alex Grinch to USC, we were looking at the statistical uh, model of, of Alex Grinch's defense in the four year, in the three years that he was at Oklahoma, and saying USC can work with this. It's not a perfect defense, defense, but it's certainly better than what USC has had. It's certainly a winnable defense. It's certainly something that you can uh, theoretically. He gets to USC and and continues to recruit. Uh, bigger, better athletes, and maybe they have they have a thing going. In 2022, things go terribly wrong, but that's year one in a program where they were taking over a four and eight program, and the messaging coming out of the program was we just don't have the athletes. So every single year that Lincoln Riley has held on to Alex Grinch, there's been a very good reason for him holding on to Alex Grinch. 2019 is his first year in charge. 2020 is a is an objectively strong defensive year. 2021 is a step back, but not so catastrophic that no one that, that it's that it's you have to fire your defensive coordinator after that season. Um, and then 2022 is year one at USC. You you aren't gonna judge a, a coordinator or judge a judge the coaching staff based on the first year. We had these conversations after the Tulane game, where we said USC should probably cut bait from Alex Grinch, but they won't because there is a reasonable argument to suggest that you continue to re- you you are rebuilding a roster that was 4 and 8 you are rebuilding a defense that was cat- catastrophically bad at USC in 2021 mm-hmm. uh, and that you can look forward to 2023 as being a year that you should improve the reason i am very confident that Alex Grinch that Lincoln Riley will move on, will fire Alex Grinch, is that this has been a catastrophic season defensively for USC's defense. And there are no more good reasons to keep him. This isn't year one at Oklahoma. This isn't 21.7 points per game in year two at Oklahoma. This isn't 25.8 points per game at year three in Oklahoma. This isn't year one at USC and you're taking over a terrible defense so you just need more time. This is the come to Jesus moment to suggest that Lincoln Riley has sat back while Alex Grinch's defense have given up 30 points a game for the last five years is patently false. That is not actually what was happening 
with the defense at Oklahoma. That is not actually what I, has been happening with this tenure. Lincoln Riley made the mistake of trusting that Grinch would get this going. He didn't, and I'm pretty confident he's going to rectify that mistake. I I agree. I, I think one of the things that, one of the misconceptions um, is that I, I feel like people think that Grinch has been there the entire time and he yeah. hasn't. Um, you look, you look at the, the 2018, the two years the, before the, the 2018 Oklahoma season, um, where McNeil gets fired. I mean, sorry. Um, Stoops gets fired mid season and McNeil takes over. Um, uh, in, in 2018, they allowed, uh, 40 points the, for the first time all year, they allowed 40 points was in Red River. They allowed 48 in a loss. And they lost. And, and, the, and, and they and fired gets fired, right? Mid-season 2018. They respond that season by giving up 46 to Texas Tech, 47 to Oklahoma State, 40 to Kansas, 56 to West Virginia, and 45 to Alabama in the Orange Bowl. Okay, So that's how bad it was in 2018 after the Mike Stoops firing, okay? So then 2019, Grinch comes in. How many times did they allow 40 points in 2019? Twice. Uh, a The the only two losses of the season. Uh, the 48-point, 48-41 to Kansas State on the road, and that's the only regular season loss. And then the 63 points to the greatest college offense ever assembled against LSU, uh, which is bad. 63 points is horrible. Yeah. Yes. It's also the greatest offense ever assembled, and it's Alex Grinch's first year, like you said. Mm-hmm. Okay, so 2020, how many times did they give up 40 points all season? Once in Red River. They won 53-45. Uh, in that season, they start out by shutting out Southwest Missouri State um, FCS school, but then give up 38, 37, and 45 right out of the gate. Two losses, and then they beat, they win Red River in a squeaker 53 45. So, yes, the defense looks bad. From that point on, for the rest of the season in 2020, the defense, just like looking at ballpark scores and whatnot, is fine. Yeah. Uh, they, 14, they, they 28, Texas 9, Texas 13, 13 to 14, 28. 21, 20. Oklahoma State to 13, Baylor to 14, Ohio, Iowa State to 21, Florida to 20. Like, I, the, the, the problem with USC's defense now is not the same problem that, that, that like, the, not the same severity. It is it's the same problem. It's not more, the same severity. Yeah. As this SC defense, in terms of, you know, yards per play and the explosive plays that they're allowing, the scoring and all that stuff pales in comparison to what Grinch was doing in Oklahoma. It's not the same thing. Uh, it's, yes, it's as, it's, you know, along the lines with what 2018 Oklahoma had, but that was pre-Grinch. So, yeah, Grinch needs to go. He absolutely needs to go. He should have gotten, he shouldn't have been given the opportunity to rebound after Tulane, but he was, and he didn't respond. It's he just, needs to go. It's just silly. Um, but I, 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 I don't know how. I don't know how Lincoln Riley also doesn't think that too. And if just he, because he's not firing in midseason doesn't mean he's not going to do it at the end of the year. Because as we've established, like again, Lincoln Riley has fired his defensive coordinator midseason and saw what happened. His defense got a hell of a lot worse. 
Yeah. Um, but like that's that's also the thing. Like, don't act like Lincoln Riley hasn't fired a defensive coordinator before. I he has he been slow to grasp that Grinch is not good good enough for him to reach his uh, reach his goals. Yes, he has been. That is his greatest weakness at this point. Yeah. But don't act like Lincoln Riley is a serial, um, uh, you know, DC uh, uh, fail guy when the track record at Oklahoma was very different than what's than what's going on here. All right, let's go to a voicemail we got from Navy Dan. Hi, Michael and Alicia. This is uh, Navy Dan from uh, Lemert Park, and I'm a first-time caller. One of the things uh, my captain used to say to me is, uh, don't bring me problems, bring me solutions. So my question is, what role does the USCAD have here? Shouldn't she be demanding solutions? I mean, can't she just call Lincoln to the office and say, look, Lincoln, admit it. This needs to get better. Defense is a problem, et cetera, et cetera, whatever she wants to say. And what are you going to do to fix this? I just feel like we all have to answer to somebody, and sometimes college football coaches don't. Do you think the AD should step in here and get Lincoln to make some changes? Thanks, and I love the podcast. Talk to you guys. Bye. Thanks for the call, Dan. We we appreciate it. I have a hard time thinking that the AD is going to, like, what is an AD going to provide in terms of actionable things in the middle of a season? I I, I don't. Th- I I yeah. I think that I think you know there should be a uh, a weekly one on one between. Uh, Cohen and every single head coach in every program. There probably is, um, but there should be, right? But is she going to uh, Stankovich, the baseball coach, and saying, got to be honest, um, I think what we we need to, to, have you thought about moving so-and-so up in the order a bit? I don't think she's going to do that. I and yes, I, I think and we that, don't. You don't want her doing that. That's I, I not a good. Stuff. Yeah, I don't think you want the meddling in that instance. Yeah. Um, I think her job in the middle of the season is to listen, and I think her job, as soon as the season ends, is to support, and then provide her feedback. In in terms of, you know, uh, have you have you considered this? It, it, it's a lot like, uh, you know, a, a, a therapist or a, a big brother producer in a confessional <laughs> in the diary room. They're like, uh, well, a, have you considered that they may be targeting you here? Like, I think that's the kind of input that you have rather than the, especially in the middle of a season than necessarily saying, um, yeah, you, you've you've got to you've got to make this decision right now. I like I don't I don't know that it's her job to have those solutions mid season. Um, I one hundred percent agree with you. In the middle of a season, especially when, as we've continued to say, if you fire the defensive coordinator now, you are simply replacing him with somebody who is on his staff and also not doing a very good job right now. Yeah. Um, and your defense doesn't like historically you don't improve after making a midseason firing that's just the case so the athletic director's job she has one job to me at the end of the season that one job is to have lincoln riley walk into her office 
and to say, hey, Jen, how's it going? And Jen Cohen looks at him and says, it's going well, Lincoln. Here's a blank check. Have at it. Because quite frankly, Jen Cohen should not have to tell Lincoln Riley that he needs to fire the defensive coordinator. Lincoln Riley should understand that that is what's going to happen. And if Lincoln Riley doesn't, uh, and Jen Cohen has to make that statement, uh, then like to me, that that would be very bad to me because that would indicate that what people are saying in, in the YouTube comments are true, which I don't believe them to be true. Jen Cohen has one job. Yeah. Jen Cohen's job is to go to Lincoln Riley and say, you know what you need to do. Here is a blank check. Yeah, it's to, it's to support his decisions that way. And yeah, I think you can do a little wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, but through actions of like, like you said, here's a blank even, check. Well, why are yeah. you offering me in the blank check? Why do you think I'm offering in the blank check? Yeah, you know what you need to do. Yes. Uh, and, and you know, uh, that's the conversation of like, okay, well, the here's how the season went. Uh, you finished, uh, you finished nine and four and... Uh, you were uh, 114th in, in 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 defense or whatnot. Uh, what are we going to do about that? And just to let you know, we have uh, let's see, uh, two and a half million of budget. So, uh, what do you think? That's that's basically how I kind of s- sort of see those things going on. But I don't know. I'm not a fly on the wall. I I no. I, I don't know how, how it goes. Um, Thomas in the chat said that uh, it can set a bad precedent if she gets overly involved with coaching decisions. Yeah, I coaching decisions, yes. Personnel yeah. decisions, I think, are that's where you want to be able to support them and let them know what they can and cannot do. But which, it is which in this instance should be what you can do, right? Because the cannot would be if you were at a school like say Cal that had like budgetary concerns. Yeah, where yeah, I, unfortunately we don't have budget to go do whatever this is not that case this this is not that instance so uh let's go to uh but but i agree i agree with the general sentiment of navy dance call of like ideally you'd love for someone to have answers unfortunately i think the answer is wait until the season ends and that's just not satisfying that's not satisfying to anybody i do not want the ad walking into the head coach's office office and saying fire defensive coordinator in october i just do not want that to be happening that is a bad that suggests a bad working relationship that that suggests um uh, internal meddling that that like if you are at a point like yeah, I don't know. That's just that bad signs, bad bad signs all of, all over. Bigger bigger problems if that's the way it has to go. Yeah, yeah, and you know maybe it's a you know offering the support of not only the blank check but hey here are resources we're making available in case you wanted to make any decisions on the coaching staff. Uh, we're going to deploy all these other. She things. shouldn't even have to do that again. I if, agree. If I'm this just isn't saying the like, most obvious decision in the world then yeah, maybe USC does need to start putting together a list. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's go to call we got from Torin. This is Torin from Oklahoma again. Uh, there are a couple things. First, the reason that Grant really needs to be blamed for everything on defense is that if your individual player cannot handle the play calling, you yank that player and put someone in who can the entire defense cannot handle the play calling, you change the play calling. Grinch does neither. You have to choose one. <laughs> you cannot just let the status quo continue 
to make offensive play calls, knowing that if you don't have an absolutely perfect offense, the defense will manage to lose any game. It is so much pressure on the offense having that in the back of their mind. There still shouldn't be this many excuses for why they aren't running more and why they aren't doing what works. But how do you call plays on offense with that kind of pressure? And how does Caleb Williams look at a potential audible that might go for a long pass instead of just running up the middle? Uh, knowing that they need to score. And it seems like the more they struggle on offense, the more they are trying to get greedy on offense. They need to take what's there, and they will destroy everyone. Or at least they will put up a lot of points on any defense. The USC's defense will still manage to keep it a game. Go Trojans! Uh, that's a, a really good call. Thank you for the call, Torin. I, I agree. I think you are spot on. I think the one of the bigger issues with the offense outside of the Notre Dame game because a lot of, so much of that was just offensive line breakdown that just every offense is going to look terrible when that kind of stuff is happening. But in the other games where that wasn't necessarily the biggest uh, issue, I think Caleb has gotten greedy. I think a lot of the pre-snap stuff that that's really annoying me and a lot of other people looks like I saw I can't remember who said it. I saw somebody say something about how it looks like they're trying to have the perfect play call for every single play. And it's causing them to be out of sorts because they're they're just pushing too hard on that front. And yeah, that is a function of having a defense that you cannot rely on. And um, USC got away with it last year. They're not getting away with it this year. And it does come down to Grinch not getting the most out of his players. And I was hopeful going into the season that with better players that USC would figure it out and, and make it happen. But my the biggest portion of my doubt, which I shared... on the show is that at a certain point last year, if they didn't have the athletes, then the coaching staff needed to prove that they could work with what they had. Mm -hmm. And it was so clear that they couldn't work with what they had that um, it felt to me like more of a coaching issue than a personnel issue. And I hoped that it was a personnel issue, but it's, it's, you know, it's plainly obvious that it, that that's not what the case was. And so either your coach, you are not effectively coaching your players, you are not getting the most out of your players, or you are not putting them in position where they can succeed. And that's on you as a coach. Yeah, it's, it's a combination of all of those things. Absolutely all of those things. Uh, let's go to a message we got on Discord, which you can join if you're a member of the Rot Squad. All of our bonus content, including our Thursday night, well, after dark episodes... Uh, plus access to the Discord for four ninety nine a month. You become, you can become a member right here on Discord and join the Rot Squad. Uh, in the Rot Squad, what uh, what Squad? In the Rot Squad, uh, Fred says, uh, can we not say the awesome turnover margin of twenty twenty two plus twenty one compared to the poor margin this year minus one, uh, best in the country to number seventy one is not a major factor this season. It absolutely is. Yes. It's gigantic. This defense, for all of their faults, would make it easier on themselves than everybody else if they produced the big, timely turnover every now and then. And this is why I think the the Utah game is so frustrating because genuinely, I think there's a possibility where Vesey wins that game because 
if they get a stop on that final drive, I think the the tone after that game is drastically different. I think we're talking about, you know, when push came to shove, this team showed heart in the fourth quarter. They got the big turnover when they needed. Kalen Bullock stepped up like the All-American potential guy that he is and made the big play. Maybe I, I joked about it on, on Twitter that night, like they need the interception like Chris Richard had against Arizona in 2001 that started the whole Pete Carroll thing. I don't know. Maybe it's that spark. Uh, you, you could look at it and say that, you know, SC responded in the fourth quarter. Maybe this is the, the, the juice that gets them to go the through the rest of the stretch of the season and all this stuff. You can lull yourself into all of those things. But it doesn't happen because they gave up a 24-yard scramble or whatever it was to Bryson Barnes on the last drive. They have a crucial penalty from Bear Alexander uh, and all of that. They don't get the excess turnover uh, by forcing another turnover there at the end of the game. But they haven't been forcing a lot of turnovers. They haven't been. They, they've been turn, turning the ball over more on offense this year with with fumbles. Uh, crucial fumbles, the Notre Dame game, absolute, like, it's a completely different game if Caleb Williams doesn't have three interceptions in the first half, right? I mean, yeah, obviously. It's the combination of those things. Uh, last year, USC played 14 games. They had uh, five times they had a zero or negative turnover margin. This year, USC has played eight games. They have had zero or negative one, two, three, four, five, six. Six times in eight games, zero or negative in yeah, turnover margin. It's not good. Got to be better. That it's very. I mean, there are the a lot. Teams there are a lot of those. complex reasons why um, USC is worse this year. But if if I had to boil it down to one thing, that turnover margin is a pretty good way to go. Yeah, it's it's the um, it's what changes games turnovers. There's a reason that coaches talk about not turning the ball over and forcing turnovers because uh, they change games. Uh, even we got an email from Brad says hi, Alicia and Michael. I'm starting to think that Cliff Kingsbury is having a bigger impact on this offense than he should. Lincoln Riley has always had a balanced offensive game plan, yet this year we continuously abandoned the run. The only difference between this year's team. And last year's is a worse O-line and Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff has always been an air raid guy, so I wonder if it is in if he is in Riley's ear promoting the pass. Thanks for all that you do and fight on, Brad. Alicia, we've talked about it that when it comes to things like the RPOs, that it seems like Caleb Williams is siding with the P over the R. Could it be that the excess work with with Cliff is promoting more of a situation where based on what the the pre-snap read is, oh, this this can be a P. Yeah, this one can be a P. And maybe before it would have been an R more often than it wasn't. Is, is that a possibility? I I'm not buying it to be honest. I think I think I think the impact of of analysts of, of non on field coaches is, is probably overplayed um, specific to like a singular guy like that. I know last year we complained about Caleb not handing the ball off more. That was what was so great about the Notre Dame game is that they just against the Notre Dame game last year is that they just 
they just handed it off and, and ran. Um, it was an issue last year. It was a it was a it was an annoyance last year. Um, the offense, like you you've hit on the you've hit on the right answer though. There, Brad, like the offensive line is worse. Like that's your answer. We can talk about Cliff Kingsbury, but that's Kingsbury is is to me completely to the side compared to the simple answer of why it's the way it is is because yeah. the offensive line is worse. I think, yeah, the, the O-line is definitely the simplest answer. I do think that there, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that it's Cliff, but I do think that there's a possibility where, whether this is more confidence in Caleb himself, whether this is more confidence that Lincoln Riley has instilled in Caleb, or whether this could be, um, you know, Cliff working with Caleb one-on-one. It's just, it's just that, also... That, that, that they could be having different pre-snap reads or whatever, but... It's but, like... But but how how can you how can you actually... Like, that's just... It, Matt, Matt Barkley took a step back in his, in his, in his senior right. year. Darnold, Sam Darnold took a, took a step back. Kessler took a step back. It's yeah. like... Slovis Cliff, got worse Kings, as he got more, more responsibility yeah. from Graham Harrell. Cliff Kingsbury was not there for any of those. So again, I just... I think that's... Um, I don't know, uh, correlation and causation kind of thing. I don't, I don't see it. Yeah. Uh, let's go to a voicemail we got from uh, Michael in the 563. Hey, guys, this is Michael in the 563. I just listened to the uh, podcast from yesterday. And on reflection, I have to admit, I uh, was over the top, just like I'm sure the rest of us who called in left voicemails uh, after the Utah game responded in exactly the same way and hence you guys didn't play any of the stuff it has been a downer to listen to i think la fred is spot on in terms of his um, reactions i think it's you know this season yeah it could be a, a write-off especially if we lose to calvin i think you're really going to see people bailing out of the boat but um i like i'd said in a previous message i should have just remembered to go along for the ride and enjoy the uh, excitement while it lasted Anyway, my apologies to you guys for being so negative, and um, uh, fight on. Bye-bye. Thanks for the call, Michael, and thanks for all of the calls, by the way. Uh, yeah. My, Michael absolutely will call two, three, four times on, on a Saturday, and we always I, – I love that. I appreciate it, uh, and he'll call during the week. So, no, do not change what you're doing. You, you, you have – I, the the great thing about the rant line is that you can get the emotion in there of everybody, and it's always gonna gonna swing. It's always gonna be more like more emotional in a negative perspective during a SC loss, and more optimistic during a win. And then that's that's what being a fan is like, right? Yeah. Like I, I don't think you need to be to be sorry about any of those things. I think I think that um the the tenor of of what you're saying goes in line with what so many of the other things did, do uh the other day when i was talking about editing the rant line and how you know sometimes it can can you know be a burden to to edit the rant line one thing i want to make clear that is not this is me c- complaining about dealing with negativity has is no that that's a me issue there, can Keep calling it, please. Keep calling it. Uh, secondly, um, we we get so many calls. We just unfortunately can't include everything all the time. If we did, the like the rant line this past week 
would have been like 20 minutes if we would have been, I, I try to at least include one little nugget from every caller that we can, but sometimes we can't, A, we can't listen to, to every single second of every single call. So that's one of the reasons why not every little um, bit can get in there, but also it would, it would just be, it would, it would be forever long. So Keep yeah. calling in though, please. Yeah, keep, please, please, like, please not, keep calling in. I, West Texas Mike says Michael's sick of it. I'm not sick of you the, guys. I'm not. The, the, here's the thing: the people who seem to take on like the most responsibility for when we have moments where we're like, guys, we're just overwhelmed with with this or whatever, are very rarely the people that we're complaining about. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, definitely not. Like, yeah, Michael, you've been a, a great caller, and we. We don't want anyone to censor themselves. Like that's the whole point is just to let let your let, let loose your thoughts. Like we right. deal with it from beyond that. Uh, I think my our bigger frustration is just with like, you know, some of the more extreme kind of. Well, stuff that we- the, the I think the frustration is you know sometimes it's just uh, like being I feel like being a therapist would be a sad sad job to have yeah you're just talking to sad people all the time yeah <laughs> so like that's that's where like when i say i'm frustrated with the rant line like it's because listening to people yell at me for six hours <laughs> while editing the thing even if they're not yelling at me they're just yelling at anything like like it it can you know sometimes you need a a, a, a walk and, yeah. a, and some fresh air after but yeah. like please keep calling you know what i mean yeah <laughs> Um, so, so yeah. And, and yeah, I think, I think, I think LA Fred's call was, uh, was, was pretty great last, last week too. Uh, let's go to a voicemail. We also got, uh, from the 310, the greatest area code in the history of the world. Hey, Randy Troy. Uh, I'm not even sure if this is a rant or just a general comment. Uh, three weeks ago after the Arizona game, I said, maybe the board is lucky we even won that one. I think we might've stole that from them. And you see what Arizona's done the last two weeks since then, and you see what we've done the last two weeks, and maybe I'm onto something. So maybe you guys should hire me uh, to give my 90-second uh, overview of what I think I saw. I've been at all these games. Um, I probably will not go to another one because at this point it is pointless. And 8-4, um, and 7-5, and five, same. Do you have any other call? Oh, oh just, well, th- thank yeah. you for the Sometimes call. Sometimes they end abruptly. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for the call. Um, yeah, I, eight and four, seven and five would suck. I, I, I disagree. I don't disagree with that. I, I think. Yeah. Um, a twenty twelve redux is it, an it, absolute bummer, and it and it should be a it's bummer. It's a big right? bummer. I'm uh, yeah. It, it very much is a big bummer. Yeah. And it follows into the the next email we have, so we probably just get to that and. Yeah, uh, an email from a 1994 grad. Michael, Alicia, I know exactly what is wrong with the USC program. We should hire this guy too. Um, Follow me on this because there is a very valid reason why. Why they put the most crooked athletic director ever in charge of investigating USC for the NCAA. Why USC gets super high profile five-star kids that can't seem to sniff the field. Why we get the best coaches that get here and forget how to coach. Why we get the most coveted transfers that get here and forget how to block and tackle. Why we get the best administrators and once they get here they forget what they they forget that they are and do a lot of illegal things that they should not do. 
why we routinely do less with more at every level at USC, why we get all the media attention for all the wrong reasons. We are cursed. Someone during the Pete Carroll days put a curse on us, and we need to figure out who it is so we can start counteracting the curse. Michael, Alicia, who is it? Is it Harbaugh? Is it Paul D? Is it Stoops? I'm going to burn some medical incense and start warding away the evil spirits 1994 grad. <laughs> it, it feels like it sometimes. Um, yeah, it feels like USC is cursed sometimes. It feels like USC curses itself uh, sometimes. Um, but I also think this is sort of what comes with the territory of being a blue blood because... Uh, Michigan right now. Texas. Uh, Texas. Uh, yes. Um, look, look at, we were talking about this before. Every hire that Texas has made since Mac Brown, in the moment, you sit there and go, damn, that's hire. a good hire. Like, oh, and he's going to work at Texas because they have an, an unlimited um, checkbook. Like, he is going to work and all this stuff. And then it all goes to hell. Well, because the fact of the matter is, uh, only one team wins any every year. Yeah. And if you aren't Georgia at the moment, or if you weren't Alabama or Clemson, like you, chances are you're just fighting for scraps. Everybody's been fighting for scraps this whole time. Like Notre Dame probably feels like they're cursed. Why can't they do more with what they what the, what they've got? Um, you know, you look at so many other programs around the country. It's it's part of the territory of being a blue blood. Mm -hmm. If if USC wasn't a blue blood, if USC was, oh I don't know, let's let's just say like UCLA, um, they they would be treated the way UCLA gets treated when UCLA doesn't have a good time of it, and it's just well, like whatever. Or Cal being what Cal is right now, it, you know, it's it's just whatever. Like part part of the reason that the SC is not the Knicks, surely not the Knicks. Uh, but they're also not not the Knicks, you know what I mean? Um, but the reason that the Knicks are, that that people say, oh, the Knicks are Knicksing or whatever, like the Jets, another, the Mets. Yeah. Uh, all these. Clemson these, is Clemsoning like, was a thing. <laughs> like, because when the Pirates do this stuff or when the Charlotte Hornets do this stuff, nobody pays attention or cares. Yeah. SC has a big spotlight, and so um, they're in the they're in the gigantic media market. Uh, it is a school with a lot of history. There are, you know, uh, it's one of the one of the best academic schools in the country. Uh, yes, it's not Stanford. It's it's not Harvard or Princeton or whatever, but it's relatively speaking on the the sharper end of the of the sword, and with that becomes a big stage and SC is going to end up making every single mistake end up being louder because of that. And I think all the frustrating parts of th that speak to, to this email is how many of the things are also self-inflicted? Like so many of the things are just end up being self-inflicted, which is why I'm such a proponent of not, not doing self-inflicted harm. Uh, yeah, the, Control what you can control. 
and that's one of the but, things SC is historically as a institution failed at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that and that's and that's my bigger issue. That's my bigger issue is there are things that are out of USC's control that are just the way that things happen. That sure. are just that are just you misstepped with your defensive coordinator, or you misstepped with your offensive line, or whatever. Like those things are whatever. The ones that get me are your athletic director is is actively not yes. uh, you know not doing their job or harassing people or you have this scandal or that scandal and all of those it's it's why we brought up the Lincoln Riley um the media thing it's like you don't need to create additional reasons for people to yeah. get on your ass they will already be there yeah and to yeah and if you if you I've seen a lot of a lot of comments about the whole media thing about about the players not being available um, with the idea of oh the basically the sentiment of like the 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 capital J journalists are pearl clutching about that too much maybe but if you know that they're gonna pearl clutch about it and they like a lot of PR is done in newspapers. Maybe don't let them pearl clutch. Don't don't bring additional things upon yourself. You know what I mean? Like if that that that's just me. That's just me. But yeah. uh all right. Uh email from Tony and Denora PA. Uh hi Alicia Michael, always enjoy your shows and takes. Uh even if I don't agree with every everything, I think SC will be the fourth or sixth best team in the Big Ten next year. Anyway, some thoughts. I support Riley. I think the chances are that he will succeed. Of course, nothing is guaranteed. His record is the same as Helton at this stage at 17 and 5. He cannot continue to be arrogant. He needs to admit the team is going in the wrong direction and needs to learn to make changes. See above. He needs a new DC. Uh, a third string former walk on quarterback looked awesome against us. Uh, and at last but not least, how does a former Mountain West team become such a tough, creative team that beats SC constant, uh, consistently? Uh, and is one of the top, if not the top program in the conference. It is not because they're loaded in four than five star recruits, right? Anyways, keep up the great work. Look forward to the 5 p.m. episode. Tony. Yeah, it's it's coaching. I, I think that Kyle Whittingham needs to get all of the credit in the world for him making Utah a like a destroyer of everybody. Uh, like they've beaten SC four times in a row. Uh, but it's not, what is it? Five times in a row, five times, four times. Five is four. Um, but it's not just SC. Like they, they've, they've had multiple beatdowns of Oregon. Uh, they, they UCLA cannot win at rice Eccles to save their life either. Like, they they just do this. They're a damn good football program. Yeah. They're a damn good football program. The only thing I would caution, the only thing I would caution about that is they're a damn good football program that has had a consistent voice there for 20 years. And mm-hmm. that that helps. That that helps to have Yeah. To have a, 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 a an out an exceptional head coach who runs a very very strong program, um, who has who knows what he's about and who knows what his identity is and and um, that will carry you a long long way. And I'm very 
I'm excited to see what Utah does in the Big 12. Because I think there's a power vacuum there, and I, I would not be surprised if Utah's the one that fills it. Like if, I think that they, they have will to be the, favorite. the conference from jump. Yeah, yeah. Because Kyle Whittingham walks in and I think objectively is the best head coach in that conference, straight up. He's already the best by head a, coach in, in, in the Pac-12 right now. By a landslide. Because, uh, yeah, because he's, he's like like Paul in the, chat, in the chat says, he's rock solid. Yeah, rock yeah. solid. Um, it helps to have a rock solid program that has been rock solid for 10 years now. Yeah. Um, let's go to the chat. We got a bunch of questions in the chat. We will run. We're at the two hour mark. So we're going to run through these rapid fire. Uh, Thomas in the chat says, do you think we have a chance at the Rose bowl? I, I wouldn't hold my breath. Uh, what? we are not at the point of saying I wouldn't hold my breath about beating UCLA. Come on. I'm not saying USC is going to like no. absolutely he beat said Rose bowl. Oh, in the Rose bowl. Oh, I thought we were talking about the, the, the UCLA the game. The, the, the SCUCLA games at the Coliseum. Oh my gosh. Okay. I to- totally miss misread that. Um, yeah. The Rose bowl is <laughs> a playoff semifinal, right? I think so. So then, yeah, I always no. forget. no, no, no two lost team has ever made it to the playoff, and uh, I don't think this is the year it happens, personally. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Thomas says, what would happen uh, if they didn't pull through in any of the last games? Like, what do you speculate would happen? Would it be a coaching change, or do you think they would give Riley, like, two more years to try and build the program? I this is. I think what happens is what happens normally with coaches. You fire the DC. <laughs> You sacrificial lamb. The first year, you like the, the this is the the typical schedule for things. You want to win by year three, right? The the first year uh, is the growing year, the 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 get your feet wet year. The second year, if things don't improve, that's the make changes year. And the third year, if there's no improvement, you fire the coach. That's usually the progression of how things go. So I, if they flame out this year and the season ends seven and five, then this is you fire coordinators. That's that's the logical the logical means of 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 how it goes. Mm-hmm. And I think Riley should have the cachet not to be specifically on the hot seat next year. Literally, but. Uh, if he fi- if he fires the the coordinators and the coordinators are just as bad, that's not going to look good for him. If he somehow doesn't fire the coaches, then he absolutely will be on the the hot seat at least as 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 fans will go because I think they will have lost so much if not all of their faith in him if he retains Grinch again, mm-hmm. which. You know, I I admit I sat here uh, in 2019 and I said it was it was pointless to worry about Clay Helton because he was for sure going to get fired and he didn't. So, it's possible that it could happen again. I just think this is a completely different situation. It's easier to fire your coordinator than your head coach. So, I'd have to imagine that yeah, this is this is the coordinator change here. It should be right. It, mm-hmm. it has to be. Yeah, just fire the DC. It's not that hard. Yeah, there's a very obvious problem. Change it, move on. Yeah. Uh, Tim and I says, does Miller Moss get playing time on Saturday? Not due to injury, please. God, please not due to injury. 
Um, we'll no, see. because the defense, I don't have faith that the defense will allow USC to build a big enough lead for that to happen. You need to have an even bigger lead on the road to justify putting in the backup. Um, and I don't trust the defense to do that. Uh, Rama says, assuming we take care of business in the last four games and the other Pac-12 games lose, let Pac-12 uh, teams lose to each other, do we have a chance to win the Pac-12 title? Yes. I, I think if SC wins out, there will be 8-1. and one. An 8-1 and one Pac-12 team has never not made the Pac-12 championship game. So if, if SC wins out, the only way that they don't go is if there is a three-way tie at eight and one where SC beats... I don't think that tie exists because USC will have beaten Oregon and Washington. Oregon will have two losses right, at that yeah. point. Washington, theoretically, one loss. It would have to be with Utah. Uh, and doesn't, does Oregon State have a second loss or is Oregon State still... No, they only have one loss. So yeah. theoretically, is it Utah? But... I, you're right. They can exist because a, a universe where USC beats Washington and Oregon and like and UCLA, but like uh, because the, only the, the round to, robin eight and one can't happen anymore. Yeah. The uh, where like for instance, if SC beats Washington and Washington beats Oregon and Oregon beats SC, like that can't happen. Um, Utah and SC could both finish with one loss, but if they did, it couldn't be a three-way tie where it would be the round robin because well, Utah already has another loss, uh, and be, from Oregon State, I guess it could be Oregon State. It's Oregon Utah, State, and Utah, SC. and USC, and then it comes down to weird tiebreakers, and I can't right. imagine it might be uh, it might be rank. Well, uh, you'd have to go through all the other the the other tiebreakers, and I. I it might is it, it's record are. against uh, same opponents. Yeah, I. Either way, does SC have a chance to win the Pac-12 title? Yes, because in that in that scenario, yes. As it stands now, I I wouldn't say so, but in that scenario, yes, because um, they would be at at least in a tie. Uh, to potentially get there, which means that they, yeah, well, then a, they would have a chance. A universe where USC, Oregon State, and Utah all go undefeated against Washington and Oregon because all of those teams still have to play Washington and Oregon is wild. Absolutely well, wild. Because well, that's what would be necessary <laughs> to those get the three have three losses. Yeah. Yeah. It, that would be, that would be a, the most stunning development of them all. So, yeah. Yes. Uh, I, I, yeah. USC wins out. They're probably going to go into the Pac 12 title game. And frankly, if USC wins out, they should go into the Pac 12 title game feeling like they can win that game. Because if you beat Washington, Oregon, and UCLA, then yeah. you clearly worked out some of the kinks. You figured something out. Yeah. Bradley says, if SC wins out, including the Pac-12 championship game, do you think that they missed the playoffs? I feel like it's a given that the Pac-12 champ makes the playoff this year, regardless of record. No, you're, you're this, not. This is where it's all dependent on everything else. A two-loss uh, team can win a national championship. They can. We saw it in, in 2007. There was a two-loss uh, LSU team that backed into the into a two team playoff. So therefore you'd be, you'd be remiss not to say that the two team team, a two team, uh, 11 and two team could get into a four team playoff. Yes, it, it is possible, 
but it all has to do with everything else. And the way this season is progressing, I don't think the landscape looks good for a two-loss Pac-12 champ to get in, even if I think we all would agree that based on eye test, a two-loss Pac-12 champ would be playoff caliber, especially one that would have beaten Washington and Oregon in back-to-back weeks. And then again in a Pac-12 championship game, I think we would all, all agree that they should be good enough to get to the playoff at that point. I can't see how it happens in a situation where the Big Ten is very likely to have a undefeated champion at this point. The or, or a one-loss champion. The the ACC has a bunch of one-loss and undefeated teams. Uh, there's Oklahoma that looks like they're going to be favored against everybody else they play because it's Oklahoma, Texas, and nobody else this year in the, in the Big 12. Like, the landscape of college football is not built for a two-loss team to get in this year. There's too many good teams. A two-loss USC Pac-12 champion is not going to the playoff. It's just no, not happening. Not not this year for no, sure. No, because Georgia will get in. Alabama theoretically could get in. Georgia and Alabama could get in. I, I, uh, Michigan, Ohio State need to both lose games that we don't expect them to lose. Florida State uh, needs to lose twice on with a, a schedule that I just don't see them losing twice. Oklahoma and Texas need to both lose and then and then have the uh, the like. You need two lost champions in a for the rest of the season in a in a, in a final month of the season that isn't set up for all of those conferences to end up with two lost champions. And yeah. USC has the added uh, hurdle of I don't think there's anything that anything USC can do for the rest of the season that will convince people that they shouldn't be incredibly skeptical of USC's defense, and that will be reason enough for the playoff committee to not go there. I, I just, I, I, disagree I just with don't, that think, it's, I think, I just I, don't I, think it's possible. I, I don't think that I, I, realistically, yes, I don't think that the defense is going to convince anybody. Yes. I'll, I thousand percent agree with you. But if in a world in which SC did look like the better team against Oregon and Washington, they would get eye test votes. I think there's a world. I don't agree. But again, the landscape doesn't work. So, all right. And uh, like you just, you little inside baseball. She's literally messaging me. No need to debate this. Yeah, you're right. You're right. No, it's just, this is a two hour and 10 minute episode. I know. Uh, we have additional questions. <laughs> or maybe not. No, I don't that, know. That, that was it. So, okay. all right. Uh, it's been two hours and 10 minutes and Jesse is so upset now. She's staring at herself in the mirror. <laughs> she started whining 30 minutes ago, Michael. She yeah. wants to go out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This dog is literally laying in front of the mirror. Like there's a clo- a mirrored closet. <laughs> She's literally laying in front of it with her nose up against the mirror right now. It's yeah. Her just whole face is just like this is the mirror and her face is just like this. She's ready to go. Her rump though. Yeah. Right there. Her little, little rump. Little, little rump. Yeah. So. All right. Uh let's see if uh, she'll react to this. All right guys, until next time, we'll see ya. See ya. See ya. Damn, she just she's locked in. She is she is so upset. Oh, now she turned. Uh, all right. Well, we'll we'll see you next time. See ya. See ya.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.